Hello out there, world. Thank you again for tuning in to another edition of Having a Cuppa. Before I get to the guest, just a little announcement in that this week there'll be another bill, and then we're going to be taking a little break. But rest assured, it's only until the beginning of March, or at least mid-March, so two weeks. I'll explain more when uh, the newest podcast releases tomorrow, in fact. But on this episode today, this will be my first return guest ever. The first time I had him on the show, I didn't even believe, even in my right mind, how entertaining this would be, to say he's both authentic and transparent. The words itself just won't do it justice. What can one say truly about Jay Barnard? Oh, a myriad of things. He's a business owner, a culinary and celebrity chef, a television personality, public speaker, a people's person, raconteur, humorist, social media influencer, and a great, great buddy of mine. I promise you, the first time we actually met, his first words were, Hey, broski! <laughs> and we still uh, lullagag. In fact, ever since he got to hear how I sound and my uh, propensity for received pronunciation, he always says smashingly for some other reason. So I've rubbed off on him in that way as much as broski has rubbed off on me. <laughs> and in so ensuing, Jay really is the brother I never had. Nearly every week we keep in touch, I share with him things that I couldn't share with my own dad, and in the last couple of months, he's provided me with meaningful advice that I try and implement in sobriety and in my career, because we both have uh, careers invariably in the performing arts and in the media. We have consistently sang each other's gracious praise, and here's the thing about Jay, specifically where sobriety is concerned. He knows both sides of the story, feeling all the feels, um, having fun in sobriety, all these aspects he goes into at length in our interview here. So that said, it was only fair dinkum to have him back for a return visit. For my new visitors, please do visit Jay's first appearance back in season one. It is still part of the catalogue. And become acquainted with the manor born and boulevardier for recovery, along with his sweetheart, Ashley Bocage. A first for me as well, because it was my first time that I ever had two guests where I've normally had a one-on-one. By the way, it was Ashley who recently enjoyed a birthday. So again, Ashley, I know you'll be listening to this. I hope you were spoiled rotten, my dear. Many joyous returns. You'll also be invited to take a peek at Jay's sensibilities on life, love, and sobriety through his social media page on Instagram called Chef Recovery. So when you type it in the search bar, do it exactly as I've just pronounced it, Chef Recovery, all in succession in small caps, And the duo, being JJ and Ashley, also have a weekly live stream on Facebook called The Recovery Couple. Needless to say, Jay, being the extrovert, acts the alpha male of the pack, and Ashley acts the beauty to his beast. So do follow them. Chef Recovery is also on Facebook, so it's Chef Recovery and The Recovery Couple, both on Instagram and Facebook, just as I uh, announced them to you. As if I can't be proud enough, I believe the voting will be open by the time that this episode is published. Jay has been nominated as Best Chef by Bon Appetit magazine. So if you are within the realm of Canada and North America, do yourself a favor, check him out and do vote for him. It's a merit he's long since deserved. And his uh, body of community work has proven that time and time again. 
Likewise, you can follow me on Instagram as well. My handle is Chris Nell Media, radio, acting, music, all in succession. Twitter, Chris Nell Media. I also have a Facebook page with my first and last name. And you can also find out more about me by my website, www.chrisnell.coza. Become part of the community. It would be lovely to have you. You'll be treated as one of your own and will keep you updated with anything that might be happening in the, in the ensuing couple of months. Forgive me. So that all said, the housekeeping's out of the way. So why not let's head to Canada again, to the nearest to the Manitoba boundary, Kenora in Ontario, to have a refill, the first ever, with the ever tongue-in-cheek Jay Barnard. This portion of the show is being brought to you by our mystery sponsor, a product that is so good that they're paying us to keep anyone from associating it with this program. And now, for our feature presentation. (sighs) Nothing like the finest selection. Nothing like the open road. Let's see where it leads me. My name is Chris Nell. In a burgeoning career spanning half a decade, I've done a bit of everything. I've walked the boards on the stage. I've essayed emotions and intention down the barrel of a lens, and I've kept the public on its toes through the coil of a mic. Now, I've entered the world of podcasting. During my quest, there's many questions that need an answer. There are many voices yearned to be heard, and many stories aching to be told. I want to hear them all. I'm a vagabond with an insatiable curiosity. Now I'm hitting the road. Welcome to my journey.
are invited to hear the stories and the views of people spanning the globe. You'll be taken places through the odyssey of your imagination. From the palm trees of California to the Everglades of Florida, the prairie hills of Alberta and the cathedrals of Montreal and beyond. Come along as we discover the hidden truths to matters of the heart. Matters that knowledgeable people share. Artists, activists, advocates and survivors. They share because they care. People like you and me. Join me as we learn what makes them tick. Sit back and strap yourself in. We're having a cuppa. Jay Barnard, how are you doing, handsome? Welcome back. Awesome, yeah. I'm glad you had me back. Uh, you know, we're gonna we're gonna crush it today. Living the dream, eh? Living L- the dream. Living the dream. And plus, also, ladies and gentlemen, if you have not seen this man's Facebook page and his live streams, please do yourself a favor. There's two live streams that I want you to check out. One is called Chef Recovery. Jay Barnard is one of the most talented chefs of our time even if I'm the person to say so, number one. But plus also he's a stellar guy, he talks openly about recovery and plus also there's a second stream called The Recovery Couple where every week Jay sits with his bird and they delve into all aspects of recovery but from their perspective. Now Jay, people might think, and let's say for argument's sake, it were to be early sponsees and even those in the sober curious phase, there's a fleeting thought that once you take that step to sobriety, that everything's going to be fine and dandy, but it's not. And we all have our high highs and low lows, right? Yeah, I, yeah. I don't think that, uh, you know, I think that's probably the misconception that everybody thinks that, you know, the minute that you get clean and sober, that all of a sudden life's going to just be, you know, roses and, <clears throat> and petals and, and fucking a great life. Um, it is a good life because you get into a new life. But you also have to take care of everything that's happened in your life before. So you can't kind of just go switch the switch, right? Like, you know, if there's no work, if there's, you know, if there's anything I've learned in the course of, you know, the couple days that I've been in, um, you have to do the work, right? Like, if you're not doing work, what are you doing, right, Chris? But what I always say, what do I always say? You got to have fun. And let's just also clear something here. When you say that you should work out the past, it's not just going to come like as quick as a flash in the pan. It's a lifelong process, yeah? Yeah, like you can't, it doesn't like, so So first off, you're probably just thinking to yourself, if you're going into treatment, why the fuck am I here? 
right? And then you're going to have all these flooded emotions. Then you're going to be coming off whatever you're coming off, if it's cocaine, crack, heroin, booze, whatever the hell you're coming off of. And then, you know, maybe, you know, for me it was 21 days I started feeling better. But, you know, you know, so in those 21 days, how can I take care of my life that I created the garbage behind it in the 21 days? I don't even remember half that shit at that time, right? Neither do so, Right? Right? Like, how do you, you know, so even even at the couple days that I have coming up on 13 years here, there's stuff that's finally coming back to me now, 13 oh, years yeah. later, you know, that I that I have to work on. And, uh, you know, the, I think, too, one of the one of the biggest things is, you know, you have to give yourself a chance. You know, you, you can't be hard on yourselves because when we're using, we're so hard on ourselves. Like we're the hard, we're the worst critics. We're the biggest critics. We're the we're the meanest to ourselves. You know, we live to use and use to live. So you mm. got to transform that when you get into recovery and you got, you know, and I, you know, like I was saying, you know, it's taken me how long, you know, almost 12 and a half years to say I'm proud of myself, um, you know, because when did you ever say in recovery or when in, when you're using that you're proud of yourself? I'm proud that I smoked an ounce of blow, right? You know, I'm proud that I drank a case of beer or I am proud, right? Like when, when do you actually say to yourself, I'm proud of what I'm, it really never comes. Right? Like it's not one of those things that you say to yourself. I think it's also because of the fact that you, let's say for argument's sake, if you were to make that statement that you're proud of yourself, that you all of a sudden adopt a mindset of you adopting too much of excess pride. So you're being a little too modest for your own good. Right, ego, right? So ego will kick in and then it's all about me and that's how it was for me. It was always... It's always about me, 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 me. How many girls can I get? How much dope can I get? How much dope can I sell? How much booze can I drink? I need to be the first to the party, last to the party. I need to drink the most. I need to snort the most. I need to smoke the most. I need to have the most hookers. I need to do this. I need to do that. I need to have the most money. I need to have this. It was always about, and, and here's what I've come to realize. I wasn't even addicted to the drugs. I wasn't even addicted to the sex. I wasn't even addicted to the booze. I was addicted to more. I was addicted to more. I just need more. Whatever the heck it was, I just want more. It doesn't matter food. It doesn't matter porn. doesn't matter women. doesn't matter booze. doesn't matter... Just give me more so I don't have to feel pain. That's it. So the more I have, I don't feel my pain. The minute I start feeling pain, I start taking more. I don't feel pain until I get sober. And now there's a lot of pain. Oh, yeah. I deal with it. And on the topic of that, you and I were speaking about this when we were arranging this. It's funny to think that when you get sober and you start to put your life back together in whichever way possible, let's just throw that in for good measure and we'll dwell on that subject a little bit later. But when you get sober and you're trying to piece your life together, you start to see life through a completely different angle. But then the strangest things start to happen. Like when I quit drinking, I was never pulled over by the cops. Ever. Well, once or twice. (laughs) <laughs> okay, I'll put it out there. I've been pulled out of a couple of times by the cups. Ah, once kind of... or twice? Well, you were good at hiding. <laughs> <laughs> but when you get sober all of a sudden, now I get pulled over regularly by the cops. <laughs> well, that's... Well, you're a sore thumb. <laughs> and they... I mean, when I did my last radio show before I went over to the English-speaking market, and I remember it well, it was quite the emotional... A roller coaster ride. When you say goodbye on a radio show, it's very emotional because you become very attached to your audience and whatnot. But afterwards, you're so exhausted. 
I've used this analogy before. Whenever, whatever you do for a job as a nine to five, I have to do in three to four hours. So you're quite exhausted, you're irate, you just want to get home. And I'm on my way home. I'm glad to have left this radio station behind me and embraced the new. And I'm literally like about halfway through the journey. And all of a sudden, I just see these flashing lights and I have to pull over. And the first question they ask, have you been drinking tonight? Because it just so happened to be a Friday. And uh, I said, no, I'm not drinking. And they still went through the whole rigmarole of subjecting me to a breathalyzer test. And it actually was kind of humorous, but very annoying to tell you the God's honest truth. But here's, here, that, that's interesting because you said, because it's Friday, right? Because it's yeah. Friday. But as an addict and an alcoholic, it's all days that end in Y that I'm drunk and high. So it didn't no, matter. it was a mandate that the government put in place to have street patrols out for people who went excess drinking on, oh. at, the, ta- oh, at really? the taverns. Oh, yeah. But oh. This, was, this was pre-pandemic. And oh. so the local municipalities put a mandate in place that they would have uh, uh, police squads on designated spots in certain areas where the taverns oh, were like oh, like, like, like a like a uh, what they call them here uh, uh, a driver's check but it's called something else uh, it's been so long since I've been pulled over drunk I can't even remember what it's called oh, a drunk man. stop no that's not it uh, anyways yeah I get you but in their defense <laughs> but in their defense I always had an energy drink an empty energy drink can in my cup holder of my car and it's easy to hide booze. So they, obviously they thought, oh, well, this guy's got booze in an energy can. He must have been drinking. He's lying to us. And he's saying, no, he's not drinking. But then it would come to a Sunday morning where I have to do an early breakfast show. And I would need that that energy drink. I haven't had an energy drink in a while. But where I would need just that kicker to get me to the office so I can have a proper cup of coffee. And also they will pull you to the side of the road and like, pull over, boom, boom, get out, and they will put you through the breathalyzer test. But you're so stressed for time because you need to be on air at 5. And it's 4.30. So yeah, that's that's kind of the annoyance that I've had. Well, to- you know, you know, I'd like to I'd like to just uh, say you're right where you're supposed to be. <laughs> the police are supposed to be pulling you over, I guess. And uh, I think they memorized my number plate at one point. <laughs> that's an interesting concept because uh, okay, so so twelve, so almost thirteen years. How many times? I've probably been pulled over, you know, one handful of times since I've been sober. Gee whiz. And one time it was because I was in my Challenger and I was going to Thunder Bay and uh, the foot was a little heavy and uh, he pulled me over. <clears throat> he pulled me over and I uh, go, you know, you know how fast you're going? Uh, 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 probably too fast. Uh, he goes, uh, are you a sh- are you a chef? Oh, matter of fact, I am. I'm actually chef recovery. I'm heading to uh, Top Chef Thunder Bay, uh, Top uh, Chef Thunder Bay, Northwestern Ontario, to compete to be Top Chef of the region. Oh no way! Are you that? Yeah, I'm that guy. Okay. Uh, <laughs> oh, gotta... talk about a sweaty. <laughs> well, on this night that I also finished to correlate your story when I did my last radio show on FM. Um, I would have the sticker of the radio station on my front windscreen and it was in the midst of a big big police corruption scandal uh, always at the beginning of the year and at the end of the year there were excess of cars pulled over for licensed discs that were expired but then normally the fines that they would issue they would go in the kitty you know for whatever like road accident fund or whatever kept disappearing right. And then it came out that they were actually pulling the people over so that they could pay bonuses to the police. And oh, when they, boy. 
and when they saw that the FM sticker was on my car, either they would get a big fat fright or they would ask me, what are you doing with this thing on your windscreen? I'm like, I'm a radio DJ. I'm on the way to host a show. I'm half an hour away from going on air. You're busy keeping me up. But on this night, they pull me over. They subject me to a breathalyzer test. And as I said, I was so beat. It was an exhausting show. But it's emotional exhaustion. So in any event, after I went through the whole rigmarole of saying, I haven't been drinking this energy drink I've got in my cup holder is for a kicker for me to just focus because I'm on my way home. Eventually, this stupid woman makes me blow once through the breathalyzer. Oh, no, she forgot to put batteries in the machine. <laughs> Fucking stupid. Second time that she and does... Twice. <laughs> And I had to do it a second time. And the second time that I blow, she sees for her own very eyes, 0.0. Then, as cocky as she was beforehand, she became as meek as a lamb afterwards because now she's got egg on her face. And eventually she says to me, I'm so sorry. And I was so annoyed. And I said, thank you, ma'am. And I took her hand just with my one hand and I squeezed it without having any, like, you know, intention of squishing her knuckles to paste i just gave her hand a quite a squish and her eyes i promise you became so wide as sources it almost popped out of their sockets those are called ride programs here in canada ride programs i just remember ride program yeah yeah you get a text from your friend don't go over by the bridge there's a ride program (laughs) you don't get busted that's why that's what happened i used to get the text Actually, it was the pager back in the day. I'd get a pager and thing, and don't go by here because there's a ride program. Thanks. Oh, man. <laughs> and then you would have to take the back roads? Yeah, you know, I was very stealthy. It took me a long time. You know, I, I sold uh, I sold drugs for a long period of time there throughout high school and junior high school. And, uh, you know, I, I never got busted till my, you know, early 20s. It, it, was, a, it was a solid 10 years. Wow. Solid 10, wow. 11 years of me uh, doing corruption and making money, and uh, you know they, they tried getting me many times, and it, they just I, I wasn't I, I was like <clears throat> I, I just wasn't there when they came, or when they did come and get me, I didn't have anything, or 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 right, and uh, they were always just so frustrated with me. Uh, why didn't we get them? You know, and uh, it, it fell apart once I started doing the cocaine. That's when my that's you know when I got into the cocaine really heavily, and then the crack but that's when i started getting paranoid so then things just you know my my ship my my ship was not being steered right and um yeah i would just count countlessly get busted after that but for those 10 11 years no it didn't get you at all i got got busted when i was uh 18 18 years old for taking a motor vehicle under uh taking a motor vehicle Stealing a truck and driving a little drunk, no license, open liquor readily available. Anyways, I walked away with ten thousand or twelve thousand dollars in fines out of the out of the bucket. That time, that happened uh, when I was sixteen. I got charged with assault because I beat somebody up. Uh, and then from like that, but that whole time, that whole time from like thirteen, fourteen, when I was selling drugs up until I was eighteen with that truck, they only but they didn't bust me with drugs. They got me drinking like drunk driving. Right, and then a couple of years after that, I still never got busted with drugs. They told Jeez, me. They told me when I got pulled into the school, and I was selling all kinds of drugs at school. I, I was making all kinds of money at school. I'd go to pizza where I worked. Hey, I need to change in the twenties for hundreds, and it'd be ten thousand bucks. And they so, anyways, they called me down to the office, Jay Barnard, to the office. 
you have two options. They even gave me options. You can leave right now and quit, or we're calling the police to search your bag. We know you have drugs. I said, option one, bye. (laughs) (laughs) And that is my next question of no particular relevance. If you look back now, how big was your police docket? Because you've been in and out of prison a couple of times. Uh, well, uh, when I when I finally woke up and uh, got out of treatment and uh, tried to uh, get my life on par, so I, I didn't have any credit or anything like that, or any um, any any uh, you know no credit. I couldn't get a bank card. I had no money. Blah blah blah. I had to go to the court office because uh, I went to credit counseling to try and merge everything together. And credit counseling, you know, they, they put it all together for one payment and they're like, yeah, that's some unpaid credit card fines and stuff like that. But everything seems to be showing up at the Canadian court office. And I'm like, what? Anyways, and uh, so I, 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 I moved my humble self over to the court office. That was uh, that was also like. I don't want to go in the court office. I'm scared if I'm going to go to jail kind of thing, right? Like, I don't want to go near here. Like, because that was the mentality, right? I didn't go around those fucking places. I didn't have to go around those places. Uh, I get out of the drunk tank. I was like, fucking Woody the Woodpecker. (laughs) See you later, motherfucker. (laughs) That's it. Don't fucking see you next time. (laughs) Right? Like, that's how it was. And I, you, till next time, and fucking gone. Yeah. And, uh, you know, so I walk in there and I'm like, uh, you know, I'm just, just uh, apparently I got some unpaid lines and I'm just trying to like do some credit counseling. Uh, you know, I, I got eight months clean and sober and uh, just trying to get my life. Oh, okay, let's pull you up. $66,000 in unpaid fines. $66,000 in unpaid fines from, from 2016 straight up until 2008. Five driving while under suspensions, so five times without my license pulled over. Would have got caught the sixth time. I would never be able to have a license again. Uh, five times getting busted with the pur- purpose of the possession of trafficking cocaine. Uh, three assaults, uh, taking motor vehicle without owner's consent, open liquor, underage drinking, all bunch of shit. Uh, it added up to $66,000. And I-, I was sitting at the thing there, and all of a sudden I felt this, like, Big pit hit my stomach and go, uh, did you say $66 or $66,000? 66 triple zero. She said, uh, did I stutter? I said, no, no. I don't think you stuttered, ma'am. I'm sorry if that came across like inappropriate or cocky. But I'm, I'm, I'm eight months clean and sober, so I need to understand this, right? You just need to work with me here. I, I only have a couple days in here, you know, so if you think about eight months, that's only like 240 days. So please just work with me here. This is a, this is a, this is a, like, I'm about ready to throw up in your face. So did you say $66 or 66000 Oh, here, sir, here's your docket. Bam! All these papers. And I went, hmm. yeah, that's 66000 Um. Yeah, I'll tell you that was uh, that that was that was like yeah I was like okay uh, I I got a whole bunch of shit to, to, to fix you know of this wreckage of like being thirteen to twenty eight um, this sixty six thousand dollars and I and I had to pay the sixty six thousand dollars off in order to get 
even go and try and get my license. They put me in a thing called the back on track program. It took me three years to pay that $66,000 off. I was working at the Delta hotel and I was living in sober living after I left treatment. And so I didn't have to pay a lot. So a lot of my checks were just going straight to this, this, this fine, these bills. And, uh, Anyways, so I finished paying it off. Fuck, that was a, that was a munchy man. I was just, yeah, rah, woo, fuck you, fuck, I did it, woo, right? Like, yeah, fuck you, system. <laughs> here, here I am, you know, the system is giving me life, and I'm like, fuck you, because I, I, I was the guy that got this, like, what is wrong? Anyways, the, uh, but that's just early recovery, right? It's just something you just, your brain hasn't fully developed yet. I was about to relate to the very same thing. I remember when I was in early recovery, I had to renew my driver's license at the local DMV. And because I'm registered in the East Rand and not in the Northwest where I was working, I had to go do it at the DMV here, but I was living all the fucking way over there. So, you know, you've been on the road consistently. So you work in kilometers, right? In Canada. Yeah. So I was literally traveling 200 kilometers every second night to get to work and back. Jesus. Yeah. Put that all together, four days, it's 800 kilometers a week. Multiply that by four, that's 3,200 kilometers a month in petrol that I was... And, I, and the company didn't even pay me a, pe- a petrol allowance. That's an ad an insult to injury. So nevertheless, off I go to the local... De- so off I go to the local DMV. Jay is busy dying in the corner here, ladies and gentlemen. So off I go to the DMV to repeat myself for the third time. Go through the whole rigmarole. Go for the eye test. Go for the coordination tests. It's this annoying experience, but it's, I'm experiencing the very first thing of my recovery, which is patience. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, so isn't so, that one? Isn't that one a dagger? <laughs> yeah, that's one dagger. Here comes the second one. Eventually, I get. My, eventually, I get to my turn to pay i pay them the fee to get my temporary certificate until they issue me the license and eventually this woman is sitting there clickety clacking behind a keyboard and next moment oh oh we can't issue you a driver's license i'm like oh dear what did i do wrong there's an arrest warrant for my name for an outstanding fine i was borrowing my mom's car and the thing had a chip in the wind when uh in the wind sill and i remembered i was so hung over that morning when they issued me the fine what I did was is I just took the fine and I hid it in my in my in my glove compartment. We call it a cabiole. I left it in my glove compartment, showed it to my mother, and she's like, Oh, I knew I should have had that windscreen repaired. And we never gave one second of thought to it, and eventually it culminated where in three days' time after I went and I if I had not gone three days earlier, this was three days away. If I had not gone on that day to renew my license, knock, 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 Chris now. Off to the police station we go, buddy. Into a jail cell. Don't drop the soap. <laughs> oh, boy. Oh, boy. I was... I'm a, I'm a pasty-faced white guy, but I was went pale as a sheet when she read that charge to me. I said, what do I need to do? You just need to sort out this fine at the local police station. Oh, thank you very much. So what I went and did was is... I played open cards. I showed them the the, the original fine and the, the original uh, the copy that was made to me, out to me by the DMV, and they said to me, "Listen, uh, you know that you are about to be apprehended like three days like three days from now. We were about to send someone to come and lock you up." I'm like, "Oh yeah, I'm absolutely aware of it now. Can we please just sort this out amicably? What do I need to do? Do I need to appear in court? No, 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 no. You just pay out this fine." I'm like, "There you go, plus interest." <laughs> Sorry for the hassle. 
yeah, I, uh, yeah, I know, I know the pain, eh? So, so I, I, I uh, so, so I pay off all the fines. So I go to get, you know, they put me in this back on track program. So you got to understand, people that are back on track are like, you know, they just got caught. So they just got busted, right? Like they're just, they, they got busted. They don't have, you know, so there's all these questions on the paper. When's the last time you had a drink? I'm writing three years, three years, three every. So I bring it to the, they're like, you're three years sober? I said, uh, well, well, not to rain on the parade here, but I had $66,000 to pay off just to get to this place. Have I drank or used drugs while driving in three years? Nope. Uh, you know, so so they kept asking, 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 and you know. Anyways, I, I get through it because all the questions are wrapped around, you know, that. Like I'm like, well, I I haven't done, the, I haven't been able to drive in this amount of time, and when I did drive in my past life, I didn't give a fuck because I just drove. I didn't have a license. What did I care? So, anyways, I get through the whole thing. They give me my. Uh, they give me my license, but I had to drive with somebody, right? So I, I had to go through this whole process because I had been busted five times. So, uh, so, so my mother sells us her car, my, my second fiance, my mother sells us her car for a dollar. It's a Sunfire. And anyways, uh, I lied about having my license, right? I had the license, but I had the license, but I had to have somebody driving with me all the time. I had uh-huh. to have, I had to have, had to have a G driver driving with me in order to drive. And uh, so I just, yeah, I got my license in my pocket, right? And I was like, fucking, bro, I, I drove, I drove, I drove for three years. Not once getting pulled over when I shouldn't have been driving. And oh, uh, yeah, talk about uh, faith talk about whatever but i mean i would never break the speed limit wore my seat belt always had a you know a fucking you know fucking more paranoid than i was on crack but wow. you know the, yeah and i i drove all the way from fort mcmurray all the way from fort mcmurray which is in alberta to kenora here which is like a two-day drive wow. and that's across that's like alberta saskatchewan on manitoba ontario oh man and, Oh yeah, I was, uh, is but anyways, um, I even yeah. So you know the funny thing is is that uh, you know since we talk about all this, uh, you know here's the other thing: just because we get clean and sober doesn't mean that our minds get right right away either, right? No, so, no. Um, you know, yes, I, you know. So I, I like always like I always look at it this way: it's easy to get clean and sober. The hardest part is to stay stopped. Right. So staying stopped is the hardest part. So it's just kind of like, you know, when I'm in the program, if I'm not doing program things or I'm not doing things to heal me or, you know, give me give me hope or, you know, help the healing process or change or grow or anything like that. I start kind of reverting back to old habits Mm. and you know because old habits are familiar. So when I'm in old habits, you know, as much as I don't want to be in them. I've been in them for so long. I'm like, ah, oh, this feels like home. Even if I am clean and sober, it's like, ah, oh, fuck, this doesn't feel right. Oh yeah, it feels right, right. But until I can accept the fact of what's going on in my life and actually look in the mirror and go, okay, Jay, you're the problem. Let's deal with this today. Um, yeah. So, so even 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 when I got to Kenora, I had to go do my driver's test and. Uh, so I take I take my my, my, my third fiance's truck down and 
<laughs> so I go into the driver's course, and they're like, uh, Jay, you can't drive your truck because you, you don't have your G. And I'm like, who's going to go get my truck and bring it here so we can get in it? <laughs> She's like, well, who drove you here? I'm like, I don't know who drove me here. Me, myself, <laughs> Anyways, and I. The... Yeah, the, the, the girl went and got my truck and brought it up. But, um, and then I passed the te- the driver's test and then I ended up getting my G, which allowed me to drive for f- drive by myself. But, you know, it that, that, you know, that, that just, just that little, you know, talk that we had there just shows you what the dysfunction is, right? Like, just shows That's you what the chaos is, just shows you what the drama is inside of what an addict and an alcoholic goes through, right? So, we're driven to, and you know, we're driven to dysfunction and drama and chaos when we're mm-hmm. using. And you know, I, I've only learned this in the last. You know, I knew for a long time, but I never, I never accepted it. But I only learned this in the last seven or eight weeks that I'm, I was addicted to drama, dysfunction, and chaos. Yeah. Um, I had to let go of that con- control in order to let that go. Um, but it's funny, like, you know, anything that has to do with drama, dysfunction, or chaos, I just wanted to go into. Uh, today, thank God I don't want to. Uh, and, do and my girlfriend, Ashley, you know, I say to her every day, doesn't it feel good that, you know, we don't have, we don't have anxiety or, or we don't have, you know, chaos, drama, or dysfunction? Mm-hmm. Like, isn't that, like, one of the best things in the world? Just one story I want to shoehorn in you before we move on. This happened over the Christmas week. We all took a break. I issued up my last podcast before Christmas week, and we all spent time with our families. And uh, one particular day, uh, all the shops were basically closed as they were prepping for the big Christmas celebration. But there's a local superette just around the corner from my house, and my mother just sent me there to go get some bread and milk and some durries. And I pull in there, and it's... You know, a fair transaction. I go and get my purchases. I pay for what is due to season. I walk out. The moment I get to my truck, I look to my left, and there's this tarty-looking thing, very unattractive, let me add. How can you be so unattractive, but you wear a short skirt that only covers the bare necessities? You get what I'm saying? Now, I'm wearing a mask, and my eyes dart to this little Betsy, and I look right in front of me, and the first thing I said is, oh, God, no, not now. <laughs> and my worst fears came true. The, the thought even barely went through my channel process, and eventually I hear this woman saying, hello, 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 like 32 times in succession. And I'm like, please, go away. I don't want to solicit you. I don't want to purchase your wares. And by this point... I can't get to my truck fast enough. I literally threw the bread and the milk and the cigarettes all in the backseat of the car. And I get to the driver's front and this woman is like two paces away from me. I'm like, woman, if you come near me, I'm going to give you one proper slap. (coughs) But now all I just want to do is I want to get out of this whole situation. I thought this is hairy. And eventually I'm about just about to close the car drive uh, the driver's side door and she says hello like the 54th time and i said goodbye bam and i closed the door and i took off <laughs> with all four wheels spinning so yeah the the, the point that you're Funny trying things to make that I happen when to. you're in re- when you're in recovery and they never happen to you when you're drunk or high eh? like that's oh, the that's the point I'm actually to make. It's, the, it's actually the opposite for me you know i i uh, 
I got a whole bunch of stories about them kinds of people. But, you know, we all got to make money, uh, you know, in some way or form. <laughs> I respect that. At the end of the day, everybody's got to make a dollar. I understand it. But, you know, the hooker world is a funny place, you know. And, uh, you know, it, it becomes an addiction, too. It's actually, this is actually a good thing to talk about. Because I was, addi- I was addicted to that because um, there was no commitment. There's no commitment, right? It was just like, here's your money. Do what I tell you. See you later. That mm. was it, right? And, and uh, you know, I, I was telling you before, you know, me and my partner, when I used to live in Hamilton, you know, uh, I'd drive the car. We'd hit Main Street. He'd get in the back seat with a dolly, and he'd get his job done. I'd be driving. She'd get out. He would drive. I would get in the back seat. He would drive. I'd get my jolly. Then we'd move on, right? Oh, and just how that's just how it was i mean that's just how you got you, you got your pick of the run you know oh, get in! Damn it! <laughs> right? like so it's just like yeah and uh yeah it's it's uh you know i, I pray for those people today because uh, oh yeah as do it's i not a, it's not it's not a good way of life and uh i pray for the people that are that are stuck in that uh stuck in that uh, active addiction like I was because it's a tough one to let go you know uh, absolutely sex side of things the porn side of things like you'd never hear people talk about porn and sex and you know I not at all distorts your mind from the beginning I, I got addicted to it when I was a young kid my dad had videos in his room and I started watching at a young age it dictated how relationships went for me I didn't know how to have a relationship because I looked at it that way Absolutely. That's how I looked at it. Why aren't you doing it like that? What's going on? Come on! <laughs> how come it never worked like that? Like, I don't understand. <laughs> right? Was, like, why didn't it? Like, I was introducing you to my mum. She like, actually put it in the exact amount of words that you said it when she gave me the birds and the bees speech. Now, Jay, I'd like to know how it must feel for you, from past to present, to be first of all sober to be in and out of prison you were supposed to get a hefty prison sentence but instead of that you got a community service you earn your degree you open an array of six successful businesses and now you get a nomination as best chef yeah it's uh you know the interesting thing about that is is even like so even just when just when you're saying that stuff i I get goosebumps right and uh as do i i I feel humbled for you it's uh you know it's it's like when when i go speak and 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 you know they rack off all these things i've done and i think i've told you this before right it it it, you know i never ever said to myself i was proud of myself of all the accomplishments that i've ever done in recovery uh never mind you know there were some really good things that i did while using you know also it wasn't just you know being a really good drug dealer was a great accomplishment but the you know the other business side of things learning how to be a chef you know in the kitchens out of the kitchens that kind of thing right i never gave myself i never gave myself any credit and um you know here here's two examples you know in 2017 2017 uh freshwater cuisine gets nominated one in five businesses uh, in all of Ontario for a leader in innovation. Wow. Uh, one in four businesses uh, from Agri Foods. Um, 
and, and we get flown down to Toronto, the whole shtick. Um, <clears throat> big to do. You're with all the government people. You're with the who's who of the government. And I'm walking around and I just, you know, I'm still not, you know, I'm still, because I'm a guy that used to just jump, jump. I, I think you've noticed a little bit of this, but just jump, jump, right? Like, and, uh, you know, there we are. We're sitting with the who's who and, uh, you know, out of the out of the top five people, we're number three. Uh, and they call us up, and at the time, the premier Kathleen Wind gives us the award and twenty-five thousand dollars cash. Uh, we won twenty-five thousand dollars cash and uh, a phenomenal award. It's over on my wall here. Um, and I remember saying my speech and going back to the hotel with Torin, and and we did a live video, and and then once uh, you know everything, once I processed everything, it was just like, okay, what are we doing next? And I never, I never stopped and said to myself, you know, I'm proud of myself. I never did. I never did that. I never. Another time, you know, I celebrated 10 years clean and sober. Uh, and, uh, you know, I went back to Ottawa to speak for the Salvation Army, uh, the Hope in the City, downtown Shaw Center. Packed room, you know, going up there, being vulnerable, you know, being honest, being real, letting the emotions hit, you know, touching on everything, you know, just you know, really there sharing my story to help myself, but just, to, you know, if there's one person in this crowd I could help, I just want to help that one person. And, you know, at the end of it, people coming up to you, asking you all these questions and CTV, all these, you know, you're doing all these interviews. I go back to the hotel room and then I go, yeah, I'm not worth it. You know, I didn't give them a good message. Who am I? Who do I think that I am that I can help people? And you're just the worthless drug addict and you're just this and you're just that right so this committee inside my head always used to beat up all my great accomplishments and i'd never be able to to uh to do it man and it fucking beat me up and uh so about seven weeks ago we were doing doing this is where ashley comes into play and ashley you know like and you know fuck stigma because we're gonna prove stigma wrong on this one and uh you know, we're the recovery couple for a reason. We're, we're the recovery couple for a reason. We're, we're out there to show people that uh, two people in recovery can be in love. Two people in recovery can love each other. Two people in recovery can support each other. Two people in recovery can grow and share and, and help the world. Um, and, you know, that, that she, you know, she, seven weeks ago on, on one of the, the, the shows we did, it just came out of nowhere and I was just like, you know, I got to be proud of myself. 13 years, I got to be proud of myself. I got to be proud of every fucking thing I've done, Jay. You got to be proud. You have to be proud of everything. You're a great father. You're great this. You're a great support person. You're a great boyfriend. You're a great son. You're a great this. You, you help and you do and you... And ever since then, ever since then, the switch went. And uh, something switched. That took better part of 12 years to get to that um and ever since then ever since then i'm just so grateful and proud of like everything that i've ever done and and all the accomplishments and opportunity that come my way um all the businesses i'm growing all the you know all the people i have on my teams and where i'm trying to grow into the countries and different stuff and just i'm super proud not in an egotistical way that it's ruining my life i'm super proud in a way that you're a good person doing good things. Oh, yeah, yeah, you may have done bad things, but you're a good person doing good things. I'm proud of you, Jay. Um, and what you say, that is the thrill that you get of being in the unknown, that you don't have to know what is the final chapter of the book, just the pages that are to follow. 
being in the yeah, it's, going with part of the process, following the process. I meant to say, it's it's um, it's like uh, you know you, you got to go through everything you got to go through to get where you're going, and you got to go through the process. And and if you're not going through the process, you're you're not learning, you're not growing, you're not you know you're not healing, you're not uh, you know you're not becoming the person you're supposed to be. And uh, you know, a lot of us don't give ourselves that chance. A lot of us don't give ourselves that chance. And, you know, I'm, I'm proud that I've been given a voice to help the voiceless to show that, you know, there's a life worth living. You can have a life oh, and you yeah. can have a recovery and you can do all these things and you can have this and you can do this. And if you just want a simple life, you can have that too. And it's okay to be okay. And it's okay not to be okay. It's, you know, um, yeah, something switched there, Chris. Something switched in my mind uh, in a way that uh, I'm back, baby. I am back, baby. Now, I'm, I'm going to be honest, and you and I have become great friends over the past couple of months, and we shared some intimate details. So, please, if you hear this from me, don't take it as only a compliment. Don't just take it as just for Dinkum. Why haven't you had your own radio show? Because you are a natural raconteur. You've had this history of 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 public speaking and you do these live streams i think you'd be a hit and talk radio oh i had i had my own i had my own tv series in uh 2018-19 it was called lake to plate uh torn it, it was actually it was great torn and i my, my vp at freshwater cuisine here he he was behind the camera so nobody ever saw who he was it was just this voice that was basically you know cutting me down and chirping at me and you know, and I was, I was battering back, but yet we're showing the audience everything about freshwater fish and how to use the underutilized, undervalued, unappreciated fish, which was my life anyway. My life is, or was, and it still is at times, underutilized, undervalued, unappreciated. So I just took both my businesses, put them together, and created this 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 amazing, amazing business. And uh, we, we did, I did have, I did have a TV show on Shaw. Uh, we did about uh, well, we we did a YouTube. There's about 56 episodes on YouTube, and then we did um, 15 or 20 episodes on Shaw TV. Um, I I don't, you know, I I guess sorta in a way we kind of do have it with the recovery couple. You know, we we do have about 800 people tune in there, um, but I don't know. It's just uh, it's coming. It's it's part of the chapter. It's coming. Well, you know what? I really think that you'd be great. I mean, one of my favorite radio shows in Canada, because I get it on iTunes, is uh, Humble and Fred. Oh, yes. Humble and Fred. Good old Humble and Fred. Yeah. No, uh, yeah. I, and I actually applied to... People don't know this about me, but before I began my career on FM, I actually applied to work at Sirius XM Canada. Oh, big secret. But, uh, yeah, I really wanted to work in, in, in Canada because, as I told you, when you and I just met, I w was taught a lot of techniques, you, uh, especially w when I was second year, 2013, rolled by, uh, which was a big year, of course. You're familiar with that with that uh, shooting of uh, Oscar Pistorius, who shot his fiance. Oh, right. Yes, yes, yes. And I think it was the following year that it was the Ottawa shootings. Yes, it was the following year. And uh, we were actually taught about Peter Mansbridge, and I thought, wow, I would actually like to want to work in this market because the techniques are far beyond my country's uh, expectations and whatnot. But before I completely digress, Jay, while preparing for this, 
I actually got a bunch of tweets. I don't know if they are real, because before I say anything, let's just get one thing straight. Whatever happens in Kenora stays on Facebook. Whatever happens in DC stays on YouTube. And what happens everywhere else, well, pretty much stays on Twitter. Yeah. So I got a couple of these tweets, and I'd like your thoughts on them. The first tweet reads, I wonder if twins ever got really drunk that they forget which one that they actually are. <laughs> that, that is... Uh, <laughs> yes on that one. <laughs> I, I would probably forget who I am if I was, you know, like, uh, drunk and I. I, I would... I would actually probably try. Actually, you know what? That brings something up. When I got pulled over by uh, the police there, and I got busted driving under suspension, or when I ran the truck, I tried telling the police I was my brother, who was Trevor, and uh, <laughs> they, they found me underneath this thing. You're right. So yeah, fucking fucking rights. I would do it. I would do it for sure. I would do it. And then the second tweet. I'm at that awkward age where half of my friends are getting married and having babies and the other half are too drunk to find their phones. Guilty. But <laughs> <laughs> well, where's that age, right? I, I, you know, so that's funny you say that because I, I never, you know, I, I, I my, my beautiful little mini who I love to death and I love being a father. Oh, she's and, absolute you know, she's treasure. My, uh, yeah, she's my, she's my sweet peach and my love and uh, she's my, you know. smile. Yeah, she's, uh, yeah, she's, she saved my life too. Like it's, uh, so, but I was, I was 35, right? I was 35 when I had my first kid and, uh, I was, I was part of that statistic of losing my phone people, you know, uh, cause most people do have kids between the ages of 19 in that area, right? 19, mm-hmm. 20, you know, so I was a little bit older, uh, I was older and, uh, seven seven years eight years seven years sober at the time and uh yeah i never wanted kids either i, I didn't want kids that's something i didn't want and uh um when it happened it changed your life yeah i'm, I'm yeah man when, when you hear like this morning because i don't see her for seven days but you know i hear when she's at school she's just daddy i love you so much you're my best friend and then she gives me the fist pump <clears throat> and uh, and uh, I'll see you in seven days, Daddy. And you know, like when you hear that, it's just like it's an unexplainable feeling. It goes beyond yeah, humanity. It's, uh, yeah, it's it's. Uh, I'm doing something right. <laughs> well, you, <laughs> you know, are. I'm doing I mean, last year uh, I saw the photos that you put up on Facebook. You gave her quite a, a early birthday. I mean. You made it a princess wonderland for that little one. And I think that would be any parent's biggest accomplishment, just to see that bright smile on their face, seeing that fantasy come to life. You've done really, really well. And as you you quite rightly say, you've never given yourself credit for being proud, but you can be proud that that you've gotten to that point. That one's that one's that one's a huge proud moment, and you know, and, and my ex too. You know, Julie Julie uh, does very well. Julie's a very good mother for Destiny, and uh, you know, we, we do try. Um, you know, the co-parenting thing is not easy, uh, but we do our best. And Destiny is <clears throat> Destiny is the focus uh, on that, and and we try and do the best for Destiny. But you know, I I couldn't be more blessed with Ashley. I mean, Ashley 
you know, I, my biggest worry and, and, and thing was, you know, was a broken family. And that's what messed me up for so long was a broken family. And I never wanted to be that guy that keeps bringing girls into my girl's life, right? I didn't want to be right. that cycle. Right? So I was very cautious about, like, nobody met Destiny that I dated after Julie. And uh, Ashley's been the only one, and Ashley will be the last one. And, um, you know, the, you know, but just the amount, like, just just watching Ashley and, and Destiny sleep and snuggle on the couch together. And, you know, I, I yeah, I, I got a life worth living today. And I, I just, I'm grateful I have a voice to share, share that, you know, life is sometimes rough, but, you know, Tough times don't last forever. Tough people do. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Now, two more tweets. And I think this one is so relevant. It doesn't even need comment. If you try to send a drunk text and it ends up in the draft section of your cell phone, that's the universe looking out for you. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> I got I to say something about that one, though. My, my, uh, my, 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 uh, my partner, Torrin, uh, you know, we used to have a girl working for us and uh, she, she used to be a drunk and stuff and he gets a text in the morning he, she goes you didn't get the text I sent last night did you? And he's like, what are you talking about? Okay, nothing! <laughs> <laughs> I bet she was like pictures of her nude and she was like oh, my door's just sick and I'm like, oh man! Oh yeah. <laughs> well, I've got a similar story now that you bring it up. Uh, I also used to work in the food and beverage industry in my college days, and also around about Christmas time. Remember when we used to get the blackberries that had the free BBM on it? Oh, yeah. yeah. Christmas Day must have been. I get a BBM from another chap who used to work at the next door restaurant. We're kind of buddies. And he sends me this BBM stating, has anyone got a free girl that I could take out for the night? I'm in the mood to party. Bear in mind, this guy is just married. He's had two kids out of wedlock and he's just had a, a newborn baby boy and i'm looking at this thing and i'm thinking to myself wait a moment this guy's trying to pull me one and the next day i'm sitting in a break after the lunchtime rush and this little plonker comes walking on by and i said to him listen mate i need to bring something under your attention oh are you referring to that bbm i sent you <laughs> my question exactly and i said yes were you serious about that because you know that i'm celibate i haven't had a girl like uh, ever <laughs> in any you're event waiting for the right, you're, you're waiting for the right one nothing wrong with in that. any event i show him this bbm and it, this guy just bursts out laughing but it's one of those embarrassed laughters he said dude i got so drunk off the, my grandmother's punch I can't even tell you what went through my mind when I sent that text. And I think this last tweet is the best one. Because uh, here's a great story that's to follow. Hearing about what you did drunk is great because you're the main character in a story that you've never even heard. <laughs> well, that, that's good or bad. Like, it's like... Uh... Jay, I, I told you this story, but it never made to the first episode that you and I did together. So for the audience, I was second year college in the radio and TV program, and I was doing a semester course in law. We come back after the Easter break, 
and we had to prepare for this big law exam. Now, if you're like me, who's a picture person and not a facts and numbers person, law, boring. <laughs> In any event, I did my best to study for this exam to the best of my abilities. Day before the exam, here I get an, another BBM, the curse of the Blackberry, and it's my former friend. He was an enabler. He, looking back in retrospect, we were good, good friends and title, but he was an enabler of my addiction. Hey, it's my dad's birthday. Would you come and make a turn? We'd love to, you know, celebrate the occasion, whatever. I said, sure, I can sacrifice three hours, but please, I'm writing this big exam tomorrow. I don't want to go too, you know, too wild. Naturally, it went into the one ear, it went through the canal and sailed out the other because the moment that I came to the to the premises, they give me this big German Stein filled with transparent liquid that looks like 7-Up. And according to Dutch tradition, you have to do the Dutch uh, uh, the Dutch toast. So we do this tradition. It's salacious. I'm not even going to repeat it on this podcast. It's so embarrassing. It's very, very supercilious. And eventually you have to after the complete of the of the tradition, you have to down this concoction. And true to form, I down it every last drop, and I just see these serpentine smiles looking at me. And I'm like, okay, I know. I've been had. How did they get me? They doctored my Stein with 60% vodka. <laughs> Ten minutes later, I'm so pissed, I don't even know my own name, let alone being able to walk home. Just to trim some fat off the meat to save some time. I woke up the next morning with the most god-awful hangover known to man, and I, it didn't subside. I mean, I spent 60 bucks on coffee, and I'm chugging it down, but this thing feels like a jackhammer at my temple. Consistently. Oh, it's I hate so, when that happens. Oh, it's awful. Oh, it's awful. Three o'clock in the afternoon rolls by. I'm cramming like nobody's business to get this last bit of information in my head, and we go off and we write this exam. Now, I, the moment that I heard the adjudicator right in front saying, you're ready to go, start writing, I blacked out. I swear before one Lord in heaven, I blacked out. Because I just remember taking up my pen and I just started writing. And I'm writing with absolute, a Boy Scout samurai zeal. Because everything that that question paper laid out, I could apply an answer to. Three hours goes by. My arm is numb. <coughs> but now that was one part of the battle won. I still had to fight this battle here because my parents knew that I was out drinking and the shame that I could see it play out my mother's face was just so <coughs> beyond words. So the very next week, <clears throat> this episode is gone and far and forgotten. My adjudicator walks in with a big stack of papers and immediately I get cold chills running down my spine because now we're going to get the results of this exam. <laughs> and to reiterate what I said the last time, it's an auditorium filled with 30 empty seats and it's packed to the rafters with students. And the adjudicator, or the lecturer rather, would call you up one by one by your last name and your student number. And as the row is getting more and more narrower, I see myself getting to slink more and more in my chair. Eventually, I hear the death call. Nell, student number 15014551, approach. 
And if you've ever seen that movie, the scene where the prison warden is walking with Michael Clark Duncan's character, I could hear that scene playing out in my head. Dead man walking. <laughs> and like a complete coward, I just got my test paper, I clutched it to my chest and scurried all the way back to my chair and I sat back down. And I just said, okay, Lord, the end is nigh. I know it. They're going to plug my funding. I'm going to lose my bursary, everything. And I just peek at my paper. 97% for that exam. Jay, the next moments, I couldn't wait for that. I couldn't wait for that that lecture to be over because the very next thing I took out my phone and I swore at this guy in this big, big text message. Every variant of the F word that I could think of, I put in this text message. And surprisingly enough, I just get this funny ha-ha face stating, you should drink more because it makes you help remember, it helps you to retain information much longer. And needless to say, after our friendship dissipated and for for the better, looking back. <laughs> now, yeah, that's, a, that's a good one. Um, with you giggling I like a schoolgirl. Ki- ki- well, I got all kinds of those. Stories. The blackouts are the best, right? Like, <sighs> yeah, I remember, I'll just, I'll tell one quick one, but I started drinking at this house. Go for it. Me and four buddies, we had a 60-ouncer, we were doing shots, we got on mushrooms, we started doing some cocaine, got right messed up, and, um, and, uh, you know, she's, you know, we're, we're trying to leave the party or something. And I'm going down this trail into the snow. <laughs> Next thing you know, I wake up, I'm getting thrown out of this house party. I'm like, where am I? Next thing you know, I'm waking up in front of the cab station, co-op taxi. Next thing you know, I'm waking up in a bus stop. Next thing you know, I'm waking up in my friend's house behind his speaker, pissing, and his mom yelling at me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I'm going to the bathroom. <laughs> Next thing you know, I wake up on the stairs of my house, and my grandma poking me with the cane, going, are you alive? <laughs> Next thing you know, I wake up in the bathtub, and my grandma's showering me because I've you know, made a mess in my pants. Next thing you know, I wake up in my room and there's a pile of black puke there. That's how that went down. And, um, like that's the extreme, eh? And those, those, uh, those, um, those episodes, those episodes are are long behind. And I'm glad that uh, I can just sit here and laugh about them today. Um, but I will tell you that, uh, yeah, glad I don't have those today. As am I. But you know what? This actually proves the fantastic answer to my next question. Because of the fact that we've been to that deep, dark road and we're trying to mend the the wrongs that we've done in life, we see life through a completely different picture frame. And it, that is why we can be seen as hilarious, because we actually tell the story like it is, according to our truth, And then other people in recovery, when they hear it, they start hosing themselves. But if you tell it to the man in the street, they think you're a stand-up comedian. (laughs) Well, you know, nobody would ever, nobody would be like, you know, well, first off, classified normal. I'm not really sure what normal is. Oh, it's overrated. Yeah, here's the thing, though. But, you know, you'd go and try and tell that to somebody normal and they'd be like, you did what? Oh, yeah. No. 
That doesn't happen. What do you mean? You bit in your pants? You peed yourself? No, you're a grown man. (laughs) I shit myself before. What do you mean? What's wrong with you? Don't you ever hear any? You know what I mean? But like to normal people, that would never happen. But to like people that are, you know, honest with themselves in recovery, they can laugh about these things, but also understand it because they've been, you know, through a similar scenario. Maybe not as far as kissing yourself, but at the end of the day, maybe. Right, so most people Absolutely. would be able to be like, you know, I understand. Yeah, I've been there. Um, but to the normal folk, you know, they just, uh, you know, that that's like one of the most intriguing things that I, you know, you know, when I do motivational speaking is when normal folk just come up to you and go, "Wow, you went through that, and you did that," and right, like it's it's so so mind boggling to people that somebody would put themselves through that. And I guess when you actually think about it, and you know talk about it and go through all the things that you've ever done in your <clears throat> using life um never mind the stuff that you do in early recovery and then you know as the chapters turn um pretty insane mm-hmm. absolutely jay just a couple of more questions how is it that in between all your various business let's review you've got freshwater cuisine which was your your brainchild after you got your degree yeah. from alconquin uh you have now started a business or you've 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 bought into a business that provides these supplements the prebiotics and so on and so forth Uh, you've done a tv show you've done exposés and whatnot you met bill shatner you showed me a beautiful photo about that and you managed to become a sponsor too right yeah i'm uh yeah i I sponsor in the program i uh but you have to become licensed uh, for that Licensed? I, I, I have uh, a life worth of licensing, don't I? <laughs> Stupid question, I know, but we're, I just had to ask it for, for clarity's sake. Uh, no. No, you don't have to be licensed. Do you have to be licensed? Wow. So you would make yourself available no matter how hectic your day has been. 24 hours a day for people who really have it bad. How do you handle that crisis? With what kind of mindset? Um, you know, I I I, I want to help people get better, and I, I want to, you know, I think people reach out because they want to have what I have, and I'm so freely giving away what I have because I want people to have what I have, and I want to show people that you know there's a life worth living, but there's also fun involved, right? Like. You and I are two addicts and alcoholics sitting here laughing. You know, that's how life should be, right? Like, our mm. misery should dictate what our lives are. Our misery should make us, you know, project into the future and have this, you know, awesome life like we, like we are trying to have. Um, but, yes, I, I make myself available uh, <clears throat> as much as I can. I, 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 I try not to burn myself out because it's an easy thing to do. Uh, easy thing to do is burn yourself out when you're uh, – you know, but no, I, I uh, if somebody sends me a message, I, I, I know the importance of uh, sharing saves lives. Uh, and that's, you know, if I really look at everything, that's it. Sharing saves lives. Your story is going to resonate with somebody that feels alone at home or is struggling during a tough time and is going to hear your words, your wisdom, your experiences, your strength, your courage. And that person is going to get some hope. 
And <laughs> all you did is save one person today. You did everything you're supposed to do. Um, and that's 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 humanity. That's that's helping out. That's one addict helping another. That's stronger together. You know, that's coming together as people. That's you know accepting and um, Ashley asked me this. Ashley always asks me. She goes, I, I don't, I don't know how you do this. I, I burn myself. I, I feel burnt out. I just talk to three people, and here you are talking. You're like a walking meeting. You talk to like you know 20, 30, 40, 50, 60, 70 people in a day, and here you are just. Bah, 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 bah. But I you've said, got well, the gift know, of the gab. Well, and I also got a couple more days too, right? So, so I've done this for a long time. Um, I, I just, you know, and, and, you know, Ashley to hop into the fire at five months and then me say, let's do the recovery couple at seven months. She's seven months sober. She's now coming publicly open about what she's doing on, you know, our platform grew fast from my platform. So, it grew fast and here she is coming, you know. And I have to give it to the girl. She really is raw herself and especially in that initial phase of recovery because the first initial phase, help me right, is, is about two years before you start going into the real muck of the past. But doing that in five months, Jay, is really an accomplishment, even if I do say so myself. Now, you used me, you've heard me use the expression, the gift of the gab, and I floated the idea of a radio show i think really the next step and this falls right into your wheelhouse is you need to start doing a one-man show called days and not days i really think that's the next step for you days and not days it's d-a-y-s not d-a-z-e yeah i think really that's <laughs> yeah. now you're speechless I... yeah it's i no, it's, stumped it's... <laughs> the recovery shift. <laughs> no, no, you're right. I and like I said, you know, there is, there is. Uh, yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do something here, and uh, that's a that, that's a great name, days, um, days or days. Uh, but it's, you know, it's. You know what's interesting is when somebody. You're so close. So I'm so close to Ashley. And, you know, she's with me all the time. So, you know, she sees my recovery. But to see a girl at five months, watch her to seven months, tell her, okay, we're going to do this. <clears throat> see her get to her one year. You know, tonight tonight is going to be our 46th live in a row. So 46 episodes in a row on Facebook with this recovery couple. I'll be sure to catch up to her. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's crazy to see the amount of growth. Like she's 16, she's coming on 17 months sober on February 9th. Wow. February, so February 9th, I met her for the first time. She, I gave, she, my, our, our mutual friend Lauren gave her my five month medallion. And I met Ashley for the first time on February 9th a year ago. And then we started dating on the 17th. So tell me, uh, that's so your anniversary of when you guys started dating, or is that like a soberversary? Uh, so her her uh, her sober anniversary is September 9th. So okay, so it's September 9th, 9th but yeah. February 9th. February 9th, she'll be 17 months sober, and then February 11th, I'm 13 months sober. I need to mark that in my diary as well. 13 years sober, and then uh, the 17th, me and her are celebrating one year together. My gosh, you've got to plan it out, hey? 
Well, on her birthday's the seventh. So her birthday's February seventh. Her seventeen months is the ninth. My thirteen years is the eleventh. The seventeenth, we're one year. Wow, we Jay, what an accomplishment, man. Yeah, so like I was saying, you know, for me to watch her and and see the the amount of stuff that uh, you know she has done in such a short. I told her I was eighteen months sober before I even went out and started being the you know calling myself the recovering chef. Never be never mind being chef recovery. But before I really got a voice, I was 18 months, never mind seven, seven months getting open and honest on a platform, on a public platform to the world, you know, like unheard of. And Jay, just to wrap up, you've now recently been nominated as best chef, as I'm led to understand. Tell us more about that. Yeah, so uh, nominations start their voting starts February 16th for your favorite chef. Uh, it's a chance, uh, a chance to get in a spot on Bon Appetit, which is a, a serious magazine. I'd love for our our walleye wings, which is our flagship product of freshwater cuisine, uh, to land in Bon Appetit. That would be a dream of mine. That would be a goal of mine, and I'd be super proud that the value-added piece that used to be uh, garbage <clears throat> that people never used that I, that we turned into a mainstream appetizer would get in such a worldly. Uh, magazine and seen all across the world. Also, a chance to win twenty thousand uh, dollars. So, voting starts February sixteenth for your favorite chef. I will have the link. I'm going to send the link out to everybody. We need to share it. We need to tweet it. We need to Instagram it. We need to TikTok it. We need to Facebook it. We need to email it. We need to text it. We need to get it out to as many people as possible. <clears throat> for the simple, we fact, need to podcast it. We need to podcast it. But it's really, you know. For me, I, I think one of those accomplishments and a thing of being proud is, you know, somebody that had nothing can actually have something and can actually do something with their life. So I'm doing this for all us people that are in recovery, all us people that are struggling. It's, it's really driven for that. It's, it's not about me. Uh, it's 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 about showing other people that we have such this 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 amazing life that we can live. And we're stronger together, and um, <clears throat> doing this together uh, is an amazing thing. Um, you know, the brothership and the and the and the, and the sistership of, of of this this thing we call life is can't find it anywhere else. Absolutely, and well said. I couldn't have put it better for myself. Jay Barnard, you've been an absolute star. Thank you for coming back, and we're hoping for many more, brother. May this only be the beginning, not the end. All the best of luck for February the 16th. I want to see your face on the front page of that magazine, mate. Absolutely. We will uh, see you, and I love coming on your podcast, Chris. Uh, uh, anytime you want to have me, I, I love uh, I love, I love, making you laugh, and I love uh, I love seeing you smile. It's, it's good to see you having fun in your recovery because that's what you deserve. You, you deserve to have fun. Thanks, mate. And plus, also for our audience members, if you hear about it the first time, the excuse me, let me rephrase: Chef Recovery on Instagram. Plus, also the Recovery Couple. You can also look up the very two same names every week. There's a live stream. Check it out. Be informed. Be educated. Be humid. Jay, love you, brother. Love you too, brother.
that was having a cuppa for this week. We hope you enjoyed this leg of the journey. Until the next time we meet, tell your friends and write us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Apple Podcasts.